From Optimized Health, this is the True Health Podcast, where we unlearn diet culture and personalize our health, one tip and story at a time. Today we are talking all things snacking, cravings, and mindless eating. I have a variety of solutions, ideas, suggestions written down in front of me that I'm going to walk you through, Um, things you may have thought about before, but found yourself wondering why I can't just do blank or what's holding me back from just eating this or not eating that or that type of stuff. We're going to unpack and explore all that, as well as suggestions you probably are not thinking about um, as it relates to environment, communication, other people around you, um, and a wide variety of other kind of deeper reasons why you might be struggling with your snacking, cravings, or mindless eating. Uh, This episode today was inspired by a session I had this morning with somebody, a health coaching client, um, and they said some unbelievably profound stuff that I just was A, so proud of them for, um, but B, thought could be really profound and wise insight um, that a lot of people could benefit from and relate to. So I am very excited for you to hear that. Um, quickly, before I dump, jump in, a couple quick announcements. First, um, I am thrilled to share that today, Monday, uh, we are announcing something I've been working on for many months. It is called Diet Culture Day. Um, you can go to www.dietcultureday.com, check it out. It is powered by Optimized Health, but what Diet Culture Day is, is it is going to be a series of one-day wellness events in different cities around the country. So we're kicking it off with an event Saturday, September 9th in Columbus, Ohio, because that is my hometown. Um, So I want that to be the first event. It is absolutely Mind-blowing, our Columbus event is, like I said, Saturday, September 9th. It is presented by Marcy Press and Pros and Home Central Realty. It is going to be a single-day event where we are combining, and not just for this Columbus event, but for future events, the idea is to sort of localize a bunch of really trusted, incredible, brilliant people in different cities around the country and combine you know, A, the local wellness experts and have them each give sort of transformational workshops, inspiring sessions, really enlightened kind of talks in different areas of focus. We're going to combine those workshops with local wellness experts with real food, simple, healthy, delicious food. We're going to have some sort of gentle movement, whether that's, you know, a group yoga class, breath work, whatever that might look like. Um, And the other kind of hidden benefit of new local community, a lot of people who are interested in pursuing a health journey feel very isolated in that, especially in cities that are not, you know, um, the LA's and New York's and San Francisco's of the world and a lot of places that might not have quite as much um, access to healthy food or many friends who are caring about or talking about it quite as much. This is a way to also meet local community in this area. Um, And there's also a money-back guarantee. So if you attend one of the events and don't feel like you got something valuable from it, it's kind of a no questions asked, we'll refund your money. So that's how confident we are in that. 
So check it out, www.dietcultureday.com. The first event for Columbus is on sale right now. If you click events, you'll see that. And then um, at the end of October, we're going to be doing one in San Francisco, which details will be announced soon. You can put in your info if you want to attend or collaborate or host a Diet Culture a Day event with me in your city. Um, the sky's the limit. I'm super excited about it. So I wanted to say that first. And second is uh, we have a retreat. October 6th to 8th weekend in Santa Barbara coming up that we are so excited about. Myself, coaches Katie and Maddie are going to be there as well as a couple other amazing special guest facilitators. That's going to be limited to eight people. I know we're several months out. People are still figuring out their plans, but reach out if you have any questions about that. It's going to be very special. We're going to have incredible workshops from us as well as those guest speakers. We're going to have yoga from Coach Maddie. We're going to have a sound bath. Um, breath work, meditation experience. We're going to have amazing farm-to-table food um, October 6th to 8th weekend. You can find all that at www.optimizehealthcoaching.com. Okay, thank you. Let's jump in. So we are talking snacking, cravings, and mindless eating. Now, through health coaching, you know, one of the many beautiful pieces of it is you start to notice so many patterns and you start to notice patterns in just humans in general as far as routines and kind of gain this insight into not only how people live their lives or what typical schedules or routines might look like, um, you also get to find these things that certain pockets of people or subsets of people you know, can identify, identify and relate to as well as the kind of universal challenges. And I think we can all probably relate to at any point in our health journey, wherever we are or have been or might be in the future, one of the challenges we've experienced is struggling with snacking. So where does that come from? Why are we struggling with it? Traditional and kind of common diet culture thinking would tell you, well, you just need to have more discipline. Just don't go in the kitchen and eat that thing, and then you'll lose weight and live a happy, healthy life. Um, in reality, we all know it's not that simple, but that's the messaging we've received historically through nutrition and fitness marketing and diet culture. And the goal of that, which we've talked about on many of these episodes, has been to make people feel inadequate, feel weak, feel vulnerable, and in that vulnerable spot, they can be marketed to. That's when you get you know, if only you had blank, then you would be okay. And that's where people start buying supplements that don't work or paying for workout programs that are too extreme and don't work or aren't necessary or try the fad diet that deep down they know is not really the ultimate solution, but it's it's what they've got. So that um, is what has commonly been shared with you. What we're going to talk about is real life stuff today, uh, the stuff that will actually help you because we're going to go through kind of the practical, more tangible surface level solutions, ideas for snacking. And then we're also going to talk about some of the deeper stuff um, that taps into the, the sense and gives you kind of a lens into what health coaching looks like and the types of things we might talk about in a session, as well as like I said earlier, um, I do want to share a really specific example from a session I had this morning. So there is that. Let's let's jump into it. So 
Let's just start with the more surface level. Let's talk about healthy snack ideas. A lot of people kind of in a practical wellness sort of way are busy. They might have uh, family, kids, might have a busy job. They just, you know, not that much time, all this kind of stuff. And the idea of planning or thinking about healthy snacks is challenging. The other thing, again, pulling away from diet culture, is it's really common that you might associate snacking with eating a handful of almonds or cashews or something like that, um, or some fruit, and you're kind of like anything beyond you know counting out 12 almonds in your hand or having a piece of fruit as a snack, like there's not much more that comes to mind beyond those two options, both of which sometimes might leave you still hungry or even weirdly more hungry afterwards. Um, so we're gonna talk through some healthy snack ideas. Let's just jump into that first. So instead of looking at that, I wanna start by saying that type of thinking comes from the mindset that the goal is always to eat as little as possible, which is not true, that is incorrect. Um, diet culture thinking has brainwashed people into saying count 12 almonds or eat 10 cashews or whatever that is. Snacks historically in people's minds are the time of day when you are absolutely starving and you ask yourself, what is the minimum amount of food I can eat that will get me into dinner? I've been there a million times. It doesn't work, I promise. Um, beyond that, let's think about better ideas for snacking right? So one place I look when working with a health coaching client might be to encourage higher protein snacks. A lot of times high protein foods are not necessarily thought of when you think of snacking, um, especially if you look at kind of fruit and nuts as the main two sources of snacks. But if you think about it, our goal is that you're eating a snack if it is probably mid-afternoon for most people, maybe late morning, but let's say mid-afternoon kind of for the majority of people probably. Um, you want this to give you good energy, taste good, fill you up in a way that you're not sitting there all afternoon getting your work done just thinking about how starving you are. So what are foods that are going to fill you up, still keep you not feeling bloated or too full, um, and give you kind of good energy, good focus. And still, if you are concerned with uh, or working on or you know aware of weight or calories, um, keeping everything in, in check in that department as well. So how do we go? This is gonna fill me up, give me energy, and not be too many, you know, calories or too indulgent. Protein is a great place to look for all of those things. So one, place you could look first thinking about protein would be repurposing some breakfast food so something like greek yogurt i love like a plain non-fat greek yogurt with some berries on it if you want to put a little bit of honey on it that's really good um, something like that is a great option similar cottage cheese with berries is a great option i know cottage cheese is like a very polarizing food uh, people love it or hate it those are two good options or like hard boiled eggs. Those would be kind of repurposing breakfast foods into snack that all work. Um, another would be something like um, rotisserie chicken that you could just have in the fridge. It's super cheap, super accessible. You can have it, you can eat it cold, you can, you can heat it up in the microwave, whatever you want, just to get some good protein there. 
Um, or you could do something like a slice of bread. I love Ezekiel bread. You do something like a slice of bread or like a slice of toast with um, some deli meat, some deli turkey meat or some hummus. And you could put that with lettuce, tomato, pickles, you know, mustard. Um, all of these types of things are going to fill you up, give you good protein, good energy. They're made with real food, all this stuff, and they're still low calorie. So some people might be going, what are you talking about? Have a slice of bread with turkey as a, as a snack. That's way too big. That's going to be way too much food. That's too high calorie. If you look on a calorie, on a caloric level, a slice of Ezekiel bread that I have in our kitchen right now has 80 calories in it. You could throw on four ounces, let's say, you know, a couple slices of deli meat and lettuce, tomato, and pickle, and mayo. Um, yes, mayo, as crazy as that sounds. You could have a tiny bit of mayo. You're still going to be having less calories in that uh, snack than if you sit there and mindlessly snack on nuts over and over. So keep it all in check. Think about that kind of stuff. Some other ideas would be beef jerky. Great, high protein, low calorie. Make sure you're getting a no sugar brand for a plant-based option. Some hummus, you could have that with some raw peppers, uh, cucumber, any form of whole fruit, bananas, mangoes, apples, that kind of stuff. You could throw some of these things in a smoothie with some nut milk, ice. Um, all of this type of stuff is gonna be great and fill you up. My go-to smoothie I have almost every day around late afternoon. I do ice, I do some nut milk, I like oat milk, so I do ice, oat milk, either kale or spinach, um, some frozen berries, some frozen avocado, and then I'll either sweeten it with some almond butter or I'll throw in two dates. Just make sure you're taking the pit out. Um, dates are an amazing natural way to uh, sweeten that and then I put in a protein powder um, that I love. So all of those are good healthy snack ideas just to kind of keep things in check, keep you full in a way that's going to be giving you real food, good nutrients, and still, like I said, you know, if weight and calories are part of your health plan or something you are tracking or aware of, those are all good kind of low calorie, high protein uh, for the most part options as well. So that's first surface level healthy snack ideas. There we go. What that does is empowers you with a toolkit. That's like 10 different healthy snack ideas. So instead of looking at snacks as the enemy or fearing, oh crap, I'm hungry, what am I gonna do? It's 3 p.m. Oh man, how am I gonna get to 6 p.m. when I have dinner or 7 p.m. when I have dinner? Instead you go, oh, I can have a snack that's gonna taste really good and be high protein and like fill me up on real food and still be low calorie. Awesome. I don't have to just rely on counting almonds and hope to God that somehow this fills me up until dinner. That's a beautiful thing when you can remove the, the fear and the anxiety that comes from that. So that's the first piece. Um, the next piece is kind of like the second layer. So that's the first layer. The second layer we're going to get to, the third layer goes into what we talked about in our session today. The second layer are the things that have to do with the environment and making the right choices. So we're gonna talk about the environment um, for your work. If you're working from an office that might have a kitchen or snacks there and or from your home, if you're working from home 
and the environment there. So again, snacking, cravings, mindless eating, I'm just kind of dumping all of those into this same kind of um, pool of challenges and, and ideas and solutions. So when you think about the environment, the first question is, is it easier to make the healthy or unhealthy choice? If you are at home and you're surrounded by chips or pretzels or you know, junk food or candy or food, you know, foods that you're trying to avoid if you're on a health journey, then I would say it's much easier to make the unhealthy choice in that environment. Why would you do that to yourself? You don't hear of people who are, um, you know, working towards sobriety or in recovery from alcohol. You don't hear of them buying a six pack of beer and putting it in their fridge and just hoping to God they have willpower every day not to drink it. So why would you do the same with candy in your house or chips or pretzels? So make it so in the environment, stock up on healthier snacks. I just listed 10 of those, but there's plenty more beyond beyond those. So that when you are inevitably hungry midday or if you are hungry midday, your environment nudges you in the direction of the healthy option instead of nudging you in the direction of the unhealthy option and you then telling yourself, oh, if only I had more discipline, I wouldn't have eaten that. So that's the first thing. Get the food out of the house that's your trigger foods. Um, Trigger foods, I had Jeremy Scott um, of Jeremy Scott Fitness on the podcast a while ago and he talked about this. It was a great episode. He said for him, I asked him about that. He had said, you know, the best thing I've done is identified my trigger foods. He's like, for me, I know this, this, and this are the foods that if they are around, I will eat them. Discipline goes out the window. So I would ask you the same thing. What are your trigger foods? What are the foods that if they're around, you will eat them? How can you get those out of your house? And again, it's to make it easier to make the right choice. So identify those foods, you know what they are. It's not to say never eat them again, but maybe you're not eating them at your house. Maybe it's on a special occasion or if you're out somewhere or you're like at a place known for that thing, you want to enjoy it, indulge, go for it. Um, You know, we don't stock our house with pumpkin pie. We eat it on Thanksgiving. Most likely you don't have several pumpkin pies in your house right now, even if you absolutely love pumpkin pie. You might have it and enjoy it on Thanksgiving and move on with your life. But why do we take those same kind of indulgent, unhealthy trigger foods, stock our house with it, and then beat ourselves up for not having enough discipline? If I had pumpkin pie in my house every day, I would not have enough discipline. I'm telling you. And I think about this stuff, talk about this stuff, live this stuff every day. Pumpkin pie would win. So why do that to yourself? So that's the environmental piece. Is is it easier to eat the healthier, unhealthy snacks in your house? And what are your trigger foods and how do I get rid of them? Next, some people, especially people with kids, I have found, or people with partners who might not be on health journeys um, or varying levels of support kind of through their health journey, would then immediately go to my next point, which is, well, what about my family? What about the other people in my house? I can't force them to eat the way I'm eating. And what I would say is the number one goal and the number one place to look is not blame, it's not guilt, it's not control and controlling the other person, controlling what your partners might eat, it's communication. 
right? It's easy to immediately go, well, I blame my my partner because they they, they buy this crap and, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. No, that's not the answer. It's not their journey. You have to own it. It's yours, and that's okay. What you're actually talking about, again, is not blame and controlling what other people in your family or your relationships eat. It's healthy communication with the people around you. How do you communicate to your family? How do you communicate to partners? How do you communicate to kids that what they might want to eat is different than what you might want to eat and both are okay? How do you have that conversation? That is really what you need to do. And I've found through our health coaching clients and through experience just talking to people and hearing about their stories, nine out of 10 times, people just aren't having the conversation. There's a fear around that conversation that it's going to come off as elitist. It's going to come off as being annoying or bothering the other person or something like that. In reality, nine out of 10 times, that's in your head. And if you can calmly have that conversation and explain to somebody, hey, right now, I'm really working on this. And one of the things I've found I struggle with and is really challenging to me are these foods, and especially around this time of day, I notice a tendency to go and snack and I wanted to see if you could work with me together and we could come up with a situation that didn't deprive you of the snack foods that you want to eat, but also doesn't make it really challenging for me um, because I'm really trying to, to work on my health right now. What do you think? All of a sudden, instead of blaming or separating or alienating, you're bringing that person or those people into the journey with you. There's a place of empathy, there's more support most likely, there's communication, and there's some accountability in that too because you actually spoke to them about it. You're kind of on the hook now. And I think that's a piece of it some people don't want to acknowledge also, but is really helpful to put yourself on the hook and have that accountability. Um, And the last piece is another common challenge. People talk about, well, my kids want this. Same thing. Maybe your kids are too young for you to have that conversation, but maybe if you do have a partner or co-parent that you can talk to about that, you can have it in the same context. Um, So that touches on the environmental and family piece of this. The other piece I would just quickly add on is associations. Noticing your associations with snacking, right? Why, Why are you snacking? Do you Do you associate the end of your workday with having a snack? Do you associate the end of your workday with having a drink? Do you associate after a meal, like after dinner, with having a a treat, a dessert, a sweet? Do you associate the weekend with alcohol? Do you associate social plans with appetizers? Do you associate the weekend with brunch? What happens with the timing of the rest of your meals typically on days you have brunch on the weekend? How is that impacted? All of this stuff is not with judgment. It's with awareness. You are learning about yourself. You are reclaiming your health. You are being more intentional and aware and proactive and liberated and empowered in your eating and movement decisions throughout your life versus going by the kind of conditioned default state that most people go through with all this where it ultimately ends with them just blaming themselves for not having enough discipline. 
those associations combined with upgrading your environment and upgrading your communication with your family equal a much more likely, more empowered, more conscious place for you to be making your food decisions from. And then add on top of it those healthy snack ideas we laid out up front, and you are set up for success. It sounds even relaxing and relieving as I just said that. Like even laying all that out, you're like, wow, that sounds pretty nice. You know, it's not just me beating myself up and saying I, you know, shouldn't have eaten the Twix bar that's in my kitchen or whatever. So all of that hopefully helps reframe and rethink how we can approach snacking in our health journey. And the last piece, which is the deeper piece than all of this, is what we spoke about in our session today that just blew my mind. I was so proud of this person. Um, One of the things they've struggled with, like so many have struggled with, is snacking, like automatic late night snacking, you know, before bed, it's kind of like wind down time. Um, You know, a time that person might be by themselves, their partner might have gone to sleep, and they're just watching or their partner's there or whatever. And they're, you know, watching TV or just winding down for the night. And every night, it's like snack food that has been the challenge, which I know, you know, almost everybody can relate to. One of the things we've been working on is identifying where that's coming from and noticing hunger cues and noticing if they're actually hungry or not, what they're actually hungry for or not hungry for. Again, are they eating because environmentally that's just around and there are other options that might be around? Are they eating because they're hungry? What associations does that person have with late night eating and snack food? or wind down time, going to bedtime and snack food, all the stuff we just laid out. They came into our session today and said a few things, and I have it written down. First, they said, and I'm quoting, I realized that I'm not actually hungry when I'm snacking. I'm really just snacking to fill some sort of void. If I worked on the void, it would solve my snacking problem. Mm. I thought that was so beautiful. I realize I'm not hungry when I'm snacking. I'm just snacking to fill some sort of void. If I worked on the void, it would solve my snacking problem. That is poetry. That is deep. That is intense. That is beautiful. If I could sum up, challenges with food uh, for most people in most situations, that sentence would do it. Um, When you think about that, oh, the other sentence, this is worth noting. The other sentence, because I wrote this down too, was about hunger cues. They had said, I don't think I actually have hunger cues or know when I'm hungry. I think I just eat to satisfy something sometimes. Also beautiful. So my question in our session, and this gives a sense of kind of the stuff we work through, was, okay, so instead of working on the snacking, let's work on the void. Let's figure out the void. Let's figure that out. 
and for it's going to be different for everybody but i think that touches on the heart of what we often find when we're snacking which is that we're not hungry we're not snacking because we're hungry we're not eating because we have that hunger cue you know i've talked about this before but common reasons we eat have nothing to do with hunger it could be anything from stress to boredom to distraction to procrastination to habit to association um any i mean there's so many other reasons but those are common ones and and when you think about it in this sense, it goes back to coping mechanisms. And a couple episodes ago, I put out one about stress eating and coping mechanisms that I highly recommend you check out. It was two or three episodes ago. But the idea is, what if we worked and addressed those coping mechanisms, or in this case, you know, the void? So is that something in life on a deep level in your life that feels imbalanced? Is it that you're feeling like you need some sort of comfort in some way that's not there in other areas of your life that food is able to provide? You know, and again, none of this, and I know it can get intense really quickly, but none of it is with judgment. None of it is saying go and turn your whole life upside down just to avoid snacking. If you are hungry, eat. Absolutely. If you want something, go for it. If you've thought about it and it's intentional and you want to eat that thing and move on with your life, absolutely, hell yes, enjoy it, move on. That's beautiful. It's when you're eating to fill some void for something else that we have to thoughtfully be aware of that, examine that, and work on the void. And for everybody, that's going to be different. Like I said, some people that's relational, some people that's you know, work related, some, you know, everybody's got their own void and their own thing they might need to work on. But notice if food is filling the void and ask yourself the question that I asked them in the session, which is what if instead of working on the snacking, we worked on the void. So I will leave it with that. Hopefully this has been helpful. Hopefully between the healthy snack ideas, associations, family, environment, and that kind of hunger cues and filling the void response. Some of this resonated with you. Um, as always, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for listening. Um, if you're liking the podcast, please share it with a friend. Please follow it on Spotify or Apple. Give it a five-star review. Leave a comment. All of that helps kind of populate the podcast for other people so they can find it and hopefully receive some help as well. Um, so thank you all. And remember... As always, instead of relying on discipline or willpower in an unhealthy environment, go create the healthy environment. All right, thanks.